What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Locked On Pirates podcast. I am your host, Ethan Smith, and it is Mailbag Wednesday and also a post-game pod. So before we get into your questions today about the Pittsburgh Pirates, we're going to recap today's game against the Cincinnati Reds, which resulted in a Kevin Newman walk-off win that secured the sweep for the Pittsburgh Pirates over the Cincinnati Reds, making it seven straight wins over Cincinnati. We're going to talk about that as well, again, as answering all of your questions today here on Mailbag Wednesday. You got to save some good ones. So we're going to answer all of those today here on the Locked On Pirates podcast. As mentioned before, I am your host, Ethan Smith. Hope you guys are all having a phenomenal Wednesday, September 28th. I am in Savannah. We are still good. I am prepping for the hurricane. On Friday, we are going to be talking to J.D. Hafron of the Locked On Cardinals for arguably the final time this season, as that is the last opponent the Pirates will be facing for the remainder of this year. So with that said, guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Locked On Pirates podcast, as you always do here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. And let's get into today's episode. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome back to that Pirates podcast, everybody. I hope you're all having a phenomenal Wednesday, as I am after the Pirates have swept the Cincinnati Reds after a 4-3 to win in extra innings. In a game that I was uh, fully prepared for the Pirates to lose and Twitter to explode because the Pirates through eight innings of baseball just dominated the Reds. The ninth inning comes. Chase DeYoung has a terrible ninth inning. They get out of it to get to extra innings and then really good pitching there in the tenth. They get into the bottom of the tenth inning. Hayes has that weird play. There's a foul ball out of bounds, but big game. Kevin Newman comes in, gets the walk off hit the walk-off bloop single that scores Rodolfo Castro. You will take it. The Pirates move to 59 and 97 with six games remaining for the St. Louis Cardinals. How about Miguel on Duhar? Gets the scoring started right off the rip in the first inning with a double to center to make it one nothing. Cruz doubles the deep right, and in most ballparks, that would have been a home run. Scores two, scores Cal Mitchell and Jose Godoy, as well as G1 Bay getting the third base. Then the ninth inning came. The game was pretty quiet for the rest of the game until that ninth inning when Kyle Farmer hit that deep ball to left. Jake Fraley hits a homer to right, and then we're headed to extras. But as mentioned before, Kevin Newman scores Rodolfo Castro. The Pirates win their seventh straight over Cincinnati. Player of the game today, the hitting was great. Andujar was great. Um, Newman gets the walk-off. Cruz was fine hitting two for five. Cal Mitchell was two for four. Forget all that. Bryce Wilson was just electric today. Now, this doesn't change my views on Bryce Wilson. I don't see him as a starter. I don't see him as a guy that the Pirates should consider in the rotation in the future. But man, was he electric today. Eight innings pitched, three hits allowed, six Ks. And what's even crazier about those three hits allowed, they were all allowed to the same guy, Jose Barrero, all to the same guy. But he was absolutely electric. Chase DeYoung comes in, struggles, gives up four hits and three earned runs, and Johan Ramirez shut it down in the bottom of the 10th. Just a overall good, balanced game 
for the Pittsburgh Pirates in a game that obviously they shouldn't have had to go to extra innings for. But if we look at this entire series, man, I mean, what a debut for Miguel and Duhar. They went four to one last night. And Duhar, of course, has that bases clearing double. Uh, Reynolds had a big game there. Will Crow picked up a win. Hunter Green had a decent outing. Mitch Keller had five innings pitched, five hits, five strikeouts. Can't be mad there about that one. And then eight to three on Monday night, where Suwinski, of course, had the double. Um, I believe on Duhar didn't play in that, or he did play in that game. He was one for three. What a debut for Miguel and Duhar. And as I said, when he was claimed um, on yesterday's episode, you have to look at this as the fact that there is no right or wrong here for the Pirates at all. It's only right. He either turns out to be really good or they DFA him and he ends up where he was before he got to Pittsburgh. That's really all this is. And this series also gave me hope in the fact that that Unduhar pickup might actually be very good. We saw him in the outfield today rather than DHing, which I really enjoyed. And at the end of the day, I know the 100 losses is looming. If the Pirates split against St. Louis, they are exactly at 100 losses. If they somehow find it in them in these final six games to win four out of six games against this St. Louis Cardinals team that, mind you, has already clinched the NL Central and I believe does not have a chance to move up in seeding unless I am seeing it wrong. There is a possibility, I think. I'm not sure. Because the Mets and the Braves are 97 and 58. The Cardinals are 60 and 95. So no, the Cardinals cannot. So the Cardinals at this point are really playing for health. They're really playing for a lot of different things heading into the postseason, but obviously they want to go into the postseason pretty hot. I think the Pirates could beat them four out of six games to avoid 100 losses. I really do. The way the starting pitching is playing, the way the offense has come alive a little bit, let's see it. Let's see it. Let's see the Pirates win four out of six, finish this season strong in a series or a season right now that's coming to a close where the Pirates have played good baseball. They Again, I just I mentioned before, Seven straight wins over Cincinnati. You get the uh, the series uh, loss to the Cubs. But at the end of the day, if we're counting the last two games of that Cubs series, the Pirates are 4-1 and one over their last five games. That's something to speak to. They really held this Reds lineup at bay. No pun intended to G1 Bay. Really well this whole series. And I think they could do that against St. Louis. Now, very weird. But they do head to St. Louis for these first three of these six games. And then they come back for the final home games of the season against the St. Louis Cardinals, where Pujols has already hit 700. They'll be sending off Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright um, at some point in that series. I'm sure that'll be their last regular season games before the Cardinals get to the postseason. Just an overall great series for the Pirates here against the Reds. This is something that I've preached all year, especially when the Pirates were in third place for quite some time, that they really needed to just stick it to teams that were on their level or just below their or above their level. They really needed to play well against these teams. I would have liked to see them play better against the Cubs, although that series was tight for most of it besides the final uh, the final game. It's really just... To this point, we're at the home stretch. There's six games left. Six, if I could count, six games left. Let's see the starters keep doing what they're doing. Let's see the offense 
come alive like it did in the Cincinnati Red Series, and let's just have some fucking fun for the last couple of games. Let's just have some fun, really. And if you want to have some effing fun, before we get into your questions today about the Pittsburgh Pirates, today's episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Obviously, as most of you probably felt if you've stepped outside for a while, summer's winding down, the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing getting stiff. That's right, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the United States and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. They've always say, first impressions are important. Well, what about lasting impressions? It's time to get up off the couch and back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, head to BlueChew.com. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring this podcast. As you guys know, it is Wednesday, so it is Mailbag Wednesday here at the Locked On Pirates podcast. Got some fun questions from everybody. Pitt Panther always asking questions every week. I love it. I love it. I'm amped up today, man. The Pirates swept the Reds. I am amped up. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Hopefully you guys are as well. Who is your opening day starter next year? Mitch Keller or Rowanzi Contreras? Obviously, I don't think there's a wrong answer there. Uh, this will also be like the seventh straight year that the Pirates have a different opening day starter heading into 2023, I'm sure, because I don't think it's going to be JT Brubaker again. I would opt to say Rowanzi. I think he's going to take even more of a step forward this offseason. I think he's only going to continue to get better. No offense to Mitch Keller, who I also think is going to do the same thing. It'll be a little bit of a battle in spring, but obviously there's 162 games. You're not really thinking about that too much. <coughs> Excuse me. But I would say it's probably going to be Rowanzi. Sorry, I just had to take a glass of water there. And I would like it to be Rowanzi personally, but either way, I could see both guys being options to start on opening day. It's just really about health, really about what Derek Shelton and the coaching staff want to see, etc. Lex says, when will the front office and coaches instill a winning mentality and hold players and coaches accountable? Uh, Pitt Panther added to this saying it has to be next year. I was patient, but three years should be long enough to see improvement. And I'm not naive. I don't expect a winning record or playoffs next year, but winning 70 plus games IMO, or in my opinion, is vital. 
Just stop the constant losing. Give the players and fans a hope to have hope. Lex, I think next year is that breaking point that everybody's waiting for. If we go into 2023 and this Pirates team is not winning 70-plus games next year, 70-plus, 70 and 92 is still terrible. If they're not winning more than 70 games next year, looking astronomically better than they have the last three years, that's when I think the front office is going to start being held accountable. Same thing with the coaching staff. If the offense as a whole comes back next year with Andy Haynes at the helm, which it appears that he will be, and does the same exact things that it did this year, good luck. (laughs) Good luck. It doesn't matter who comes up here. But one thing I've seen from this uh, coaching staff, it does seem like Derek Shelton is finally starting to trust his pitchers a little bit more. We saw that today with Bryce Wilson, where it appeared that he was going to pull Bryce Wilson, but Bryce gave him some conviction. He said, this is exactly how I'm going to attack TJ Friedel. There you go. Derek said, okay. He stepped off, let him finish the eighth inning. Boom. Worked out perfectly fine besides Chase DeYoung pooping his pants. Holding the players accountable, that one is a little different to me just because I don't really think the players are at fault. I mean, some of them are bad. Obviously, we saw Yoshi Tsutsugo and Josh Van Meter on this team. But yeah, you do have to start holding the players accountable at some point as well, I think, in terms of some of the errors, some of that stuff. But at the end of the day, that all goes back to the coaching staff. I think the domino effect would end up being the coaches first if things go south in 2023, the front office second, and then the players third. That's where I think that totem pole would end up happening and the dominoes would start to fall if it happens. But I am starting to be a little bit more optimistic about 2023 and expecting that it will not have to come to that point where people are held accountable. Now, I've been wrong before. I've been wrong many times. So we'll see. But that's really a question of how do the Pirates perform through the first couple months of 2023? How do things look in spring training? What's going on? How does the team look? Does the improvement happen? Do the Pirates keep bringing up these young guys? And do they start making an impact like they did this year? That's really all that goes down to, Lex. Sergeant Stinkmeaner, what's up, dude? Says, when will the suffering end? And two comments below this. Uh, Vinny Buffon says, with this man right here, a picture of Miguel on Duhar and Pitt Panther says, the beatings will continue until morale improves. I think the suffering ends next year. I really do. Now, my idea of that is probably very different from some other people. Numerically, this team should improve. Just the way the clubhouse is should improve. The talent on the field should improve. That does not mean that this team is going to be competing for a wild card next year. It's in the possible, there's a possibility that they could with the division the way it looks, but don't expect it. 75 and 87 to me next year would be the perfect record for this team. Competitive, winning games, improving the roster, the whole nine yards that you're looking for in terms of ending the suffering. Because then when you get to 2024, you're like, okay, this team just won 75 games. Go make some uh, acquisitions, and you can make this team work. You can make things roll, baby. I That's what I really, I think going into next year, everybody should be a lot more optimistic than we have been the last couple. That's just really how I feel. And that's how I'm going to attack 2023. 
especially if they go out and do the things that they're supposed to do in free agency, which leads into my next question from Vinny. If you could pick one area to improve this offseason, rotation, bullpen, first base, outfield, etc., what would it be? I'd leave the outfield alone. I think the outfield is perfectly fine the way it is. Brian Reynolds, Jack Sawinski, Cal Mitchell, Kanan Smith, and Jigba make up a decent outfield with, we've seen G1 Bay play out there. We see Diego Castillo play out there. We saw Miguel Andujar play out there today. That doesn't include guys I've mentioned on this podcast plenty of times. Matt Frazier, Connor Scott, Matt Gorski. There's a lot of different options outfield-wise. I'd leave it alone. Rotation and bullpen, always going to be my number one. They need to improve the rotation. They need to improve the bullpen. But if I had to choose between those two, I'd say the bullpen. But as Gary said on Sunday slash Monday, that is going to inherently come with the amount of options that this team has available at their disposal and how those guys pan out and where they end up. Michael Burrows, Cody Bolton, Carmen Bajinski, Quinn Priester. Uh, you never know with uh, Johan Oviedo, Luis Ortiz, Zach Thompson, Bryce Wilson. JT Brubaker is going to be a starter. So I would say do the thing that you've done the last couple years. Go out and get a guy that's going to help your rotation and eat some innings. I don't necessarily think rotation-wise they need to splash the cash too much. Bullpen, yes. I think they do need to actually go get one or two viable arms. First base to me, though, is still the one that if I had to pick one area, that's the area that they need to sure up. They get rid of Michael Chavis, and Duhar enters in. You don't really have a viable option there right now. Go get one. There's going to be some in free agency. There really is, and that's what I really think. Uh, you guys with Vinny in the comments agreed that bullpen was the way they needed to go. Pin Panther also said all of the above isn't an option. I wish it was, and I think it should be, but we'll see how that works out as well. So first base and bullpen are my 1A, 1B. Rotation is 2 Outfield is three. Everything else that you want to do is four. Is there truly any hope for mediocrity since we are bad? Asked John Gilger. When does the comp uh, competing timeline hit in your opinion? What would you consider being the core players on this roster moving forward? Don't use prospects as a core ones that haven't played yet. I'm assuming that last part means don't assume that Henry Davis and Quinn Priester are part of the core. As mentioned earlier, I think it's 2024. I think that's when you're going to expect this team to fully be in a competition mode. Next year, I think you're going to get the spice of it. You're going to get the little salt in the wound about, okay, this is year four. We're still losing, but you could see that things are progressing. 2024, I think, is the time period where you can really, really make an assumption that this team is going to be very good. I say that because throughout next year, you're going to start seeing guys like Quinn Priester, Matt Gorski, Matt Frazier, Carmen Majinski, Mike Burrows, Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, name all the prospects you want. Some of those guys will probably pan out and be a part of the core. Some of them probably won't. But at least at that point, you are going to almost for sure have every question that you need. As far as the core that I've seen with players we've seen right now, John, Hayes, Cruz, Castro, Reynolds, Bennar, Contreras, Keller. That's that that those are the guys that are locks to be in this core for a while. There will be additions to that core at some point. 
Jack Sawinski has a chance to be a potentially big guy in that core. Leover Piguero, Nick Gonzalez, Henry Davis, all those guys. That's a wait-and-see project, though. But Rodolfo Castro, Brian Reynolds, um, Key Brian Hayes, O'Neal Cruz, Mitch Keller, Rolante Contreras, and David Bednar. That gives you eight guys that I could for sure tell you are going to be a part of this core. They need more. They do. They just do need more. And they will continue to add to that core in 2023. 2024 is when the uh, competition period starts. Keith Wendell asks, since they DFA Chavis, does this mean they plan on signing a competent first baseman? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. There's going to be options out there. I think they do. Um, Ian said, let's not act like Michael Chavis was the answer either. He wasn't. I thought I only saw him as a platoon first baseman. We'll see. I mean, there's options there, but maybe the Pirates decide to do it internally, which I think would be a major mistake. I do think they're going to sign a first baseman in free agency. I think they have to. And I think it has to be a competent defensive slash offensive first baseman. Joshua Froes asks, what's my favorite food? Pizza has to be up there. Buffalo wings have to be up there. Uh, Savannah Tap House, by the way, shouts out to them down here. Uh, it's a Steelers bar here in Savannah, Georgia, has the best mac and cheese egg rolls. They're awesome. Their buffalo sauce is also amazing on their chicken tenders. So I'd probably say my top three is pizza, chicken wings, and then trying to think of a snacky food. Ch- chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. Throw that in there, too. Thank you for asking that. I really appreciate that. I like when you guys like to get to know me. Uh, but, of course, my pizza toppings, pepperoni, bacon, always have a side of buffalo sauce with it. You know, all the nine yards. You'll throw some sausage on there. Meat lovers, meat lovers. Buffalo wings, always the hot wings. Gotta love that. I mean, I even go to uh, Mexican restaurants and still order hot wings alongside my tacos, which I love some tacos as well. Some good old carne asada tacos. Can do that too. Vinny, and we'll end it on this, also asks, and Duhar over under 700 home runs. I don't know, man. It's getting a little shaky. Maybe the uh, wonderful people over at Bet Online, right here on the bottom, will have that uh, answer for you. I'm going to say over. going to say over. Clearly, I'm joking, by the way, guys. But who knows? I think, again, going back to Anduhar, I think I'm going to enjoy watching him in 2023 for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's done nothing but impress me so far. I think he's letting all of his energy out from not playing too much in New York, and I think he's going to have a very fun time. Guys, Thank you, as always, for tuning into the Locked On Pirates podcast. Your questions today were absolutely phenomenal. The Pirates sweep the Cincinnati Reds for their seventh straight win over the Cincinnati Reds. Couldn't ask for more. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the Locked On Pirates podcast. We will be back tomorrow. Pending weather, we're going to say that now, but pending weather, we'll see what happens. But... The plan is to have two episodes at you guys tomorrow and potentially two on Friday. So we will see how that operates. But guys, make sure you go follow me on Twitter at Locked on Pirates or at MVP underscore Ethan. Make sure you go check out Locked on MLB with our pal Paul Francis Sullivan, but please call him Sully. And guys, you guys are amazing. It has been two years since I started the Locked on Pirates podcast. So I'm so happy that you guys continue to listen to this podcast and submit your questions as you always do guys miss this mug, but we will be back tomorrow. Thank you so much. See ya on the flip side.